and gentlemen, boys and girls, and all my baggage droppers around the world, welcome to another episode of the Drop Your Baggage Podcast with me, your host, Charles Wolfork, the self-talk engineer. And on this podcast, we talk to people that are dope, that give you hope, and teach you a technique that can help you cope. And this episode of the Drop Your Baggage Podcast is brought to you by Brienne and Company. Now, Brienne and Company is a jewelry boutique that makes durable, minimalist jewelry with genuine pearls, local shells, and sea glass, natural gemstones, precious metals, and quality handcrafted designs. With Brienne and Company, you can go ahead and get in touch with her with, at BrienneandCo.com or check out her Instagram that is always popping at Brienne and Company. Now, my guest today is an outstanding goddess. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you Mariana Blumen. Now, Mariana is from a form, like Estonia, which is the former Soviet Union. She moved over in 1990, and now and she moved over to Potomac, uh, Maryland, in the suburbia of D.C., but now she lives in Davie, Florida. She is the co-founder and dermatologist at Precision Skin Institute, and she also has a, her own company, and she is the creator at Stamina cosmetics and stamina cosmetics their mission is to deliver grit grace and wellness to our skin she's been married for 16 years she has a cat dog and a fish and of course a fish and of course her most impressive job is being the mother of three outstanding children ladies and gentlemen i bring to you mariana blowman what's up mariana hello charles what's up thank you so much for having me on it's an honor thank you Thank you for all the exchange, uh, exchange of energy that we've been having, uh, like over the time that we've been talking with one another. It's been absolutely outstanding. I agree. It's been a wonderful flow of frequencies, and I'm so glad they're aligned. And um, it, again, it's a pleasure to be here, especially on such a momentous day, the International Day of Peace. Mm. So I'm sending all you as well as all the listeners a lot of peace and let there be love. Amen. Amen. So your story is absolutely outstanding. Please, let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, we can start from the beginning or, you know, when you got into dermatology school. But let's let's start from the beginning, like um, when you moved over from Estonia and your life as a little kid in, in, the, in uh, the Maryland area. Um, thank you for uh, letting me share my story. I think that the interlacing theme of the story is stamina. And I think that's kind of the reason why I call the uh, my uh, skincare line as Stamina Cosmetics mm -hmm. because uh, there have been quite a few challenges throughout my life. But as I faced those challenges and overcame them, I was able to determine that I'm growing and, and I'm expanding. And this self-awareness has been incredible um, and, um, throughout this journey. So it's really, truly a privilege to be here and share this story. Um, but yeah, the story starts as a, a humble beginnings. I was an immigrant in former Soviet Union. Um, and so my uh, original language is Russian. So if you hear a little bit of accent, that's where it's from. And in my early teens, uh, we met, moved with my family to the United States. We were um, religious as well as political refugees. And so we had to have the journey through several countries um, Austria and Italy. So a lot of our belongings and everything kind of what we felt safe and secure in our life, we kind of had to set aside and leave behind in order to make this transition. And 
uh, I think, you know, it was, it was very hard to watch the fear and uh, worries that my parents went through. As a child, you don't really recognize it until you're much older and appreciate it a lot more, all the sacrifices that your parents made in order to give you opportunities in life. But I'm really grateful that they have had made that choice. Um, because, you know, growing up, I was felt very sheltered. So, uh, you know, there were a lot of happy moments in Estonia and some are suspect in Ukraine with my grandparents. But, um, and, you know, in a communist society in um, Russia, there are a lot of limitations on your freedoms, on your values, on your religious choices. Uh, Anti-Semitism was very strong in the former Soviet Union. Um, so my, my dad is Jewish and coming back from that background and having the weight of that growing up and it's, it's, it's very difficult and, you know, the scares and the fears and abuses, um, that you kind of overhear is little, um, talks in the background, um, from your parents. It's, it's very scary to you as a child, but you learn to kind of, uh, uh, set that aside and, um, you uh, you kind of uh, follow the direction of your parents as the as a way to guide you out of that fear, um, and that's what my parents were like these pillars of strength and um, vision of uh, extraordinary extraordinary accomplishments. They were both um, intellectuals, engineers, as well as teachers. Um, they were professors in the uh, university. And so I learned so much from them and, and, you know, a direction of that, that passion for education, I think came from them, that gratitude. And I think that an amazing uh, lesson of following your heart and embracing, uh, embracing whatever you can to be resilient throughout life was all stemming from their teachings. So I'm grateful to them for that they were strong enough to pursue immigration and move our family to fulfill that American dream, uh, to teach us humility. Um, me and my brother, uh, humility is something that uh, I don't see often now in human beings. And I'm glad that I was able to learn that early on in uh, growing up in a, a you know, in the limited world of communist Russia, as well as as immigrant, you know, the, the little things uh, you see now in, in America that they, you value every one of them, you know, the, the resources and the opportunities for education, anything that your mind can truly can imagine, you can almost create. That wasn't really possible in where I grew up. So there were a lot of limitations, like I said. So I'm glad that we were able to follow my parents' dream, come to America, and you know, settle and assimilate and truly treasure being here as and 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 become Americans. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a um, it's a tough journey, and I think that the lessons of humility and gratitude is something that will stay with me forever. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm so happy that, um, you know, I'm here today and I can call myself an American. I can only imagine how cool 
of a atmosphere it it was it was like especially after you moved here with parents that had such values as following your heart and humility and gratitude but also you know that that grit that you needed that adaptability that you needed you know and how they must have I, I imagine that they supported you with pretty much uh, like I, I'm, I'm I'm imagining like most of the decisions that you made in your life so you know stepping stones of support system that's that's definitely something that's essential as an immigrant and mm-hmm. yes a lot of gratitude goes to my parents but um, the lessons of trust really in my, in, in, in my persona stem from uh, the gift of uh, invitation that we got as an immigrant family from complete strangers. This couple with the, this family adopted us. We had no family members that lived in America. And so a Jewish community with this, um, that is connected with this family was able to adopt us temporarily, which means assimilate them into their family life. Mm-hmm. And we lived with them for quite a few weeks before my parents could find a job, could um, find a school for us and to settle. And initially, even they were able to connect us with the school system. And funny thing is where I met my husband. <laughs> so, you know, the, the these are the little... Uh, uh, stepping stones that kind of move your life along. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking back again, you recognize that they are the ones that will be formidable for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm again, super grateful that I can have that incredible opportunity to have a, a trust of these strangers to welcome us and help us so much and give us a chance and then my parents to sacrifice so much of their intellectual ability to work the manual later, to work those hard hours, and us to learn English because we didn't speak English and adapt as teenagers into the American culture and, and you know, be welcomed by friends in America, but sometimes challenged by this different uh, value system. For instance, I'll tell you what I struggled with uh, as a teenager, I had a hard time understanding this concept of popularity. Mm. It still haunts me. When I um, entered high school, um, you know, the society where I grew up, the communist society, really placed the highest value in individuals in high school have the most significant intellectual capacity. Yeah. So individuals who have great, fantastic grades, you achieve all this, uh, elite awards and various athletics, um, as well as extracurricular activities. And um, the usually are the ones that get into more professional type of schools like med school and law school, as well as uh, engineering. However, uh, when uh, I entered high school in the United States, I was I recognized that those individuals were frowned upon, like mm. they were considered nerds or dorks or um, you know, the people who were truly valued were the popular kids, the ones that um, went to the football games and were cheerleaders and were partying and were breaking the rules and were rebels. So to me, that was like a shock to my mentality. And I struggled a lot with that because uh, my, with my family and myself, the values were different. So how do you make, uh, how do you make sense of this? How do you kind of uh, accept it and fit well into this type of culture. Mm-hmm. And it was, 
it was difficult. So um, it took time and, and also not speaking the language well. Um, so you, it, it was a learning, uh, learning journey also. And telling myself um, that, you know, I have a strong support, support system and having the love for my family and making new friends and being able to like, really uh, feel that self-confidence growing through the new friendships, through new connections, be it few, but they're quality friendships. That's what gets you out of that challenging experience and the, and the struggles. And before you know it, you are on the other end of it and you're blossomed. And, that, and that's kind of what happened with me. And then I was able to determine toward the end of high school that science and medicine is something that stirred passion in me. I wanted to help more. I wanted to help people. Um, I did some EMT work, uh, which was exciting and fun, but I wanted a little bit more science and intellectual capacity. Mm -hmm. So I went to college thinking something along the way of biology research, cancer research, but also potential medicine. And college was a year of a lot of turbulence for me because um, it's an opportunity for making new friends. It's social development, self-discovery. Uh, but as you're trying to navigate that, as well as your career choice in the future, which is very demanding uh, for medicine, uh, it's, a lot of, uh, it's a, a lot of decisions mm -hmm. and many mistakes can be made, which were, I mean, a lot of mistakes. And I think the biggest lesson of my college years was ability to understand my flawlessness, mm. that I'm a human being, I make a lot of flaws, but I learn from my mistakes. What are the lessons that I make from those mistakes, you know, from the wrong friendships of the, the people that, you know, that to trust and, and who not to trust, how, which are the valued friendships, which are the true ones, what's authentically your identity. I think a lot, of the, a lot of us face that during our early 20s mm -hmm. until we really solidify those value system in ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, self-compassion is a big one. You know, the learning self-compassion is what I've learned in college years. And that was what gave me strength to move forward and toward the medical school. Mm -hmm. Because in medical school, there's, it's, it's you know, in Georgetown, it's a lot of demand. It's long hours, a lot of study, and you have to prioritize. And at the same time, this is when your spirit of romance and love awakens. You want to need that companion, that partner for the rest of your life. So how do you do that? You have to be open to opportunities. You have to meet people. You have to go out, but you have limited time. How do you find that balance? You have limited time because you're also trying to achieve your career choice, which is medicine. Um, you want to be the best doctor out there. So you study, 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 and you study more. Um, and, you know, it, it, that perseverance is the lesson of, I think, my medical school. You know, how to persevere in the face of all these different choices, mm -hmm. of all these different decisions. And, um, you know, and I was lucky enough at the end of college that I met my to be future husband. Mm -hmm. uh, we were at a party with uh, friends mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I looked at this young man and I said, you look familiar. And he goes, yeah, you look familiar too. And then we 
kind of thought about it and we realized we went to the same middle school. Oh. We were the same small group of immigrants from former Soviet Union mm -hmm. that, you know, were together in those ESOL classes trying to learn English and in a bizarre way supporting one another, but at the same time challenging one another with, um, you know, funny stories and, and jealousies and, and uh, you know, little nags here and there. But mm -hmm. it's okay. I mean, they, these are the relationships that you look back and you you say, you know, God bless that I had that because yes. they are the ones that were the foundation of that self-development. That's mm -hmm. me. Um, uh, so, yeah. So that kind of uh, was the start of our relationship. And because uh, that relationship developed and grew and took to roots in college and developed and grew through medical school, I'm again, extremely grateful. I know it sounds so like repetitive, but gratitude is something that I don't take lightly. And I'm mm -hmm. extremely grateful that I met that incredible person that was able to support my husband throughout my life for whatever the decisions I make, you know, who's truly is selfless. He, he is so understanding of all of, his dreams and my dreams mm -hmm. and our dreams together and is able to support in such a way that he knew that the choice was not going to be easy because, uh, you know, uh, having being married to a doctor carries a lot of weight, mm -hmm. you know, it takes being a, someone who is taking care of other people it takes quite a bit of baggage. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of baggage that need to be dropped off somewhere. We can talk about it at some point. <laughs> um, but he still took a chance and he fell in love with me. And mm. I fell in love with him. And we have uh, an incredible, you know, marriage together. Mm -hmm. Very strong. And yes, it, it has its difficult moments, just mm -hmm. like any healthy relationship. But we learned, you know, the to persevere with communication, a mm -hmm. lot of communication. Uh, not always possible with the kind of life we live. You know, he's the career, he's in technology, my career. And then, you know, the beautiful family that we have now, three kids and the dog and the cat, the four-legged babies and the fish. It's a chaotic life. We call yeah. it a zoo. Family. And <laughs> the whole but that's where I met him. So as I went to medical school and internship mm -hmm. and residency, Mm -hmm. e and fellowship he was there for me throughout all of those challenging moments so that was another um, four year of college yeah so medical school is four years and then there's uh a year of internship which is kind of a basic mm. medical yeah i don't know you want to do the math maybe like 13 years of learning and then after that uh it's a fellowship in, in clinical research and dermatology in harvard we went wow. to boston and that was a year after we um, got married. And, um, you know, the internship year was probably one of the most difficult years in my life, looking back. I had some hard ones, as you can hear, but I think we all carry these type of um, hardships in that core. And I think yeah. that etched us out to become what we are. Um, but internship year is a year of your medical career and as a doctor, that's going to be the year that either makes you or breaks you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, in the 
probably in the first few days of your internship, you will be given a, be uh, a beeper, like a pager. Well, this mm -hmm. is when I was. Now it's, I'm sure, a smartphone of some form. Right. Um, you're told you're going to be on call tonight. And if this beeper goes off, that means there's a code that the person is crashing and dying. So you better run. And you run fast throughout the hospital and you save that person. And, and you kind of say, uh-huh, well, uh, it's not just going to be me. It's my whole team, right? Because we're going to have to revive that person together. And they're like, yeah. But then you're on call and that beeper goes off and you're the first one to arrive when you see a lady trying to deliver a baby and draw, dying, crashing, and there's no team to support you. So you're, you're, you're shocked. This is the shock system. And you have to basically breathe through it. Yeah. And have to listen to your heart and all the training that you're having to, to say this is beyond you this is that person you have to give yourself to that person to help you there to help so whatever you can do at this point to help you got to do it so mm -hmm. abandon that fear completely fear is secondary that's your ego let go of it right but just hope and that's you know, that's an incredible likeness of being like that empowerment of letting go of the fear and mm -hmm. just jump in and helping as much as you can. And you have, you know, those, that's an extreme situation, but there's maybe many other stories like that. <laughs> I could only imagine. I mean, the biggest, uh, we all used to joke about it. I think the resonance system is different now, but you know, the big, the best hobby of the internship year is so ability to sleep. Yeah. yeah. You sleep whenever you can in the corner on the side, uh, anywhere you can, you get sleep. So during this internship year, that's when we decided to plan our wedding with my husband. So as I started the internship year, I said, I said I'm excited. I think it would be a fantastic opportunity. He proposed at the end of my medical school. Mm -hmm. And I said, yes, of course. Um, and now, you know, we're the, the actual practice of medicine is starting mm -hmm. and you're practicing and you're learning. Uh, and it's, it's exhausting, but at the same time, for me, it was exciting because it was a year to plan the wedding. And, and there was a lot of, you know, with the planning comes a little stressors, but those stresses turned to extreme stress. Um, when um, my husband found out kind of a few months into uh, the internship year that his mom um, is, was diagnosed Luba, which mm. in Russian means love, was diagnosed with recurrent ovarian cancer. So she had a few years back and she survived. But this is recurrence and it was pretty metastatic. It was spreading fast throughout her body. So um, in a way, I can truly empathize with the people that I talk to right now um, yeah. that struggling with, with planning a wedding uh, with COVID because, you know, there is no uh, predictability. There's no certainty that it's going to take place because you plan all this incredible feats of imagination for mm -hmm. your wedding, the guests, the beautiful dress, the, the, the venue, all of that. Mm -hmm. um, but you have this big question mark, will it ever take place? Right. That huge cloud over the whole situation. And the reason why is because we wanted his mom to be there. We mm -hmm. wanted her to be there. And if she wasn't, it wasn't going to be the same. So having um, that fight of against all odds for her to survive with her cancer during the wedding planning was very hard for all of us. Yeah. Um, most challenging for her, she suffered the most because she just had to make it. 
So many surgeries, many chemos, many, but she was, has, that was her goal. She has to get through whatever it takes to get to the wedding. And so in June, our wedding took place mm-hmm. and she was there and she looked lovely. And mm-hmm. um, it was just, a, a, we were floating in the air and we were still, we couldn't believe it was a surreal feeling that the wedding actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it had its little setbacks, but you don't focus on that because you're so grateful. I was so grateful that it actually happened. Mm-hmm. It happened. Like mm-hmm. a huge weight was lifted, but also a huge transformation of feeling yourself. Okay. This is your next step in your life. Yeah. And if you can finish your internship and have this wedding with all its setbacks and challenges and delays and worries and that, I think you can do anything in life. Amen. That's what I kind of told myself. And then more challenges come because that's what life is all about. It's yeah. all about feelings. It's all about ebbs and flows. It's those waves. They're smooth and then they're crashing and they're coming and going. And then the, I think at some point you begin to realize that's norm. This is not abnormal. Everyone lives like this. Yes. You know, and the more you fight against the turbulence, the more you hate that change and constant uh, struggle, the more you feel like you're in conflict with yourself. Mm-hmm. So you got to almost embrace and integrate and understand that the best way to live your life is accept the change for what it is and mm-hmm. the challenge that come mm-hmm. and have the passion and perseverance to face the challenges and overcome with them in a graceful way. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So then I think that, I mean, yes, I think the next challenge that uh, I faced was family making. Family making was Mm, very difficult for us. Um, Yeah. You know, we finished residency uh, in university of Miami and that's how we came to Florida. Mm-hmm. It was a fantastic place to learn medicine, dermatology, especially in Jackson, such a, uh, wealth of different skin problems and such humble people and incredible, uh, mentors and educators. Um, and I've learned so much and mm-hmm. I think that has made me a superb clinician, which I'm again, very grateful for, mm-hmm. uh, residency was tough. But I don't think it was the most challenging part of my life. So I think it was a more smooth and happy moments. A lot of, uh, you know, celebrating of our marriage together, traveling, learning, his career moving forward, my career. And then we said, it's time to have a family. It's time. We, you know, we're settled. We have our ways. We're happy here in Florida. Nice climate. Great set of friends. We have great support system. Um, but it was tough. Um, you know, we tried and we tried and we failed. Um, and then we tried again. And thank God that through the ability of current science, IVF medicine, mm-hmm. as well as a lot of faith on our end, yes. a lot of prayers and prayers of our loved ones and family members, we were able to succeed. So we had our Lily uh, in 2011, mm-hmm. and so she's uh, almost 11 now, so 10 and a half. Mm-hmm. She is such a spark of joy. Um, she's very fun and 
and beautiful and smart and caring individual. Mm -hmm. um, so I first born and, you know, her name starts with letter L after her amazing grandma, Lupo, which means love. So she kind of passed on. And another incredible grandma, that's my mom, Larissa, mm -hmm. who is kind of my role model for stamina or mm -hmm. um, grit, if you want to put it. Yeah. So the combination of both is in her. And, and, you know, she taught quite a, a lot of lessons of, uh, of strength and, you know, how to be a parent for me, because mm -hmm. that's something that was completely new. And unlike schooling and books, I think parenting has its own category of how to learn. <laughs> I think art form that, you know, never stops. I, I think I'm constantly learning. And I, I think I was just somebody who always loved books to learn how to, you know, ha, um, how to diagnose something, how to prevent, how to heal a disease or learn books, how to understand the mechanism behind something scientific. Yeah. Parenting, there's no set books. And when we entered parenthood, this is when the internet was exploding. So there's all those internet ideas mm -hmm. and the pediatrician have their views and the and the family members have their views. So you're navigating all this knowledge and trying to figure out what is the best way to rear this child. Right. And I think as a, over the last 10 years, the best way that I can guide future parents or parents that are just starting on this journey is follow your intuition Mm -hmm. and follow your child you know your child will teach you the most what they need mm -hmm. sometimes you're trying to overdo and overthink and overanalyze and over shelter a lot of times human beings they just need to be given a chance to speak and show what they really need and if we listen very carefully pay attention we can give that to them and also listen to your gut because there's the best judgment for your child. No one knows your child the best. No, even the pediatrician. So yes, you can gather the information, especially when it's medical, the child is ill from other mentors, mm -hmm. um, the other doctors, but the best decision, ultimate decision has to be yours. So follow mm -hmm. the intuition. And then, um, uh, you know, with, with Lily, it was a, such a wonderful period of happiness in our life and her husband, you know, discovering how to be parents, give her the balance of family and uh, family life and work. Mm -hmm. um, and some, sometime around the time she was about four, um, that, was, uh, that was a time where a dark period, another dark period arrived in my life. And that's when I learned uh, suddenly uh, that my brother died. Mm. So that was that was very um, shocking to me because one day he was there and another he wasn't. Um, my parents called crying and said, you know, he died from brain aneurysm and they were there to say goodbye in the hospital. I wasn't even there to say goodbye. Um, and you feel like, a part of you is lost forever in yeah. that moment and you hurt so bad you just don't know how to take care of the hurt so you try to bandit it with a lot of distractions work you know family a lot of busy stuff you mm -hmm. just kind of you know there are many stages of grief and we kind of have to travel through their journey but it was a very difficult time for me how mm -hmm. to 
get accepting of the hurt, accept that it happened, first of all, and then how to start healing myself mm. with the help of my family, with the help of uh, self-help books, with therapy. You know, it, it, it's a challenge. I strongly encourage anyone who is dealing with grief of losing a someone to really reach out to a therapist because uh, it's, it's a significantly tough weight to carry just on your own and um, just with the family members because everyone approaches in such a different view. Right. And what therapists can do is there you could be your body to hold your hand as a teacher and give you those tools to come out, out of that uh, dark cellar of pain mm-hmm. and to get past. So you're not using just a bandaid approach. You're not just um, uh, uh, reaching out for the vices of, mm-hmm. you know, alcohol or drugs or other ways to escape that reality, but truly heal and move forward and um you know if if anyone is dealing with that right now there's also a really great book that i recommend called signs uh by lauren jackson um it's it's a little bit on the more fantastic and spiritual wavelength but Mm -hmm. um she's a, a phenomenal clairvoyant that kind of guides people to open up their mind and be uh, understanding to other energies around us yeah. and how in reality we don't know what happens to us when we pass and what if there is a possibility that those other those people that we love so much that have are still around us in the form mm-hmm. maybe not in that physical body but in the form so listening to those signs and mm-hmm. being open that possibility is incredible and that helped me a lot this past year when the time came in July when um I think it was seven year anniversary when my uh, brother passed, I had a lot of uh, blue, sad moments. And when I read the book and read, I mean, to listen to on the audible, because mm-hmm. that's a kind of multitask now my day. <laughs> and I listen, as I get my nails done, because I got to have self care too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I, I, you know, I listened to the book. And I think at some point I, I scared my, uh, nail stylist because I was sitting there uh, at the nail salon and reading t- listening to this book and I was bawling I was literally bawling thinking of my um, brother and oh, wow. all, all the signs I might have missed before of him <laughs> oh sorry that's my doggy nah, no worries my doggy Walter um, the, the signs that I might have missed that he's around mm. and what other people encountered with this situation. And I'm bawling and all the snot and secretions are under my mouth. And I'm just like, there's, and this poor lady is trying to get my nails done. Like, because, <laughs> you know, that's her job. And she's looking at me and she's like, are you okay? Is everything okay? And I'm like, I'm just listening to a really <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and I was like, oh, oh my God. It's, it's, I feel like so like, uh, again surreal in that moment yeah. but whatever it takes to get you there it's important to get through that period and you know it's sad as it may be it's another a stepping stone towards stamina for me because me being able to grieve and heal not completely healed it's still a learning process mm-hmm. be a better place about it and finding that maybe some of the mission that my my brother had for himself might be passed on to me and I can share 
some of that uh, for the future too and fulfill that part of his destiny. Um, I know it's a, it's a, it's a interesting view of how to make peace with it, but that's my way of doing that. Any way that Um, you, that you have to grieve and to release that, that negative emotion, that's, that's the way you do it. So good for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I got a question. Like, so, you know, you've been through all these challenges. What's, what's your why? You know what I mean? Like, why did you stay in medical school? Why did you, you know, work so hard to, to have this baby? Like, what is your why behind it all? I think that I feel, I will have to say I feel uh, strongly that I need to fulfill some form of dharma. And then that's a kind of a Buddhist term, mm-hmm. but a higher, uh, large form of positive impact on humanity. In this mm, world. Wow. I don't know where that thought came from or that feeling originally, but as more and more uh, accomplishments and, and, these challenges that overcome, the more it became clear in my mind yeah. that I'm for a big positive impact. And I want to share myself to help to bring more positivity and life and healing into this world. And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's my life. Thank and, you. And yeah, for sure. And, and one of the ways that you're fulfilling that Dharma is through stamina um, cosmetics. Can you tell us some more about stamina? So yeah, so um, Stamina Cosmetics is a skincare line that I thought of um, during COVID. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, speaking of other challenges, uh, Precision Skin Institute is a clinic that I co-founded uh, with my partner, Leslie Clark Loser. Um, it was right around the time that I found out pregnant with my twins for Aina and my network, they're uh, boy and girl twins. And uh my partner learned this when I was about three months uh, pregnant and we signed the lease to start the, the practice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it was a very vulnerable time for me. It was a very, again, challenging time uh, for her also and me. And we learned to trust each other. This is yeah. a significant trust and vulnerability acceptance uh, type of period. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I look back a little bit and have some regrets and guilt because this, you know, right uh, after I had my twins, three months after I started my practice and someone who's type A and achiever, I wanted to, to be successful. So I put all my heart and soul into this practice together with my partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I had two little babies at home that needed me and uh, my five-year-old daughter. So often I felt torn during that period and chaotic and it felt very in the survival mode. Just, I got to get through this day. I just got to get through this day. Give it my home. And once you kind of stay, hit that one year period when the kids are sleeping better and the, uh, practice sustain and has some hope, uh, that's when you can start stepping and feeling like you can breathe again yeah. and start easy, taking care of yourself because otherwise it's like just swimming, 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 swimming through it. Um, but uh, the practice, you know, blossomed. The kids mm-hmm. blossomed. I had a fantastic support system, nannies, my parents, um, my husband. It, you know, it worked out. But again, it was a very chaotic time in mm-hmm. my life. 
mm-hmm. back at the beginning of the practice as well as the beginning of uh, the twins' birth and their toddler years. Um, but, you know, four years into that, we the practice is doing well. We have fantastic family stuff. I'm grateful. Um, but then COVID hits. And that's a huge setback for any medical practice. There's mm-hmm. a lot of them shut down. We had a lot of, you know, challenges to keep our staff mem- family members. Do we continue on working? Are we potentially, as we're working, bringing this incredible scary uh, germ into our households that could kill our families? You know, there's a lot of fears that go on when cat COVID hit. And a lot sure. of us were facing those uh, mm-hmm. fears. Um, how are we going to stay afloat as a business? You know, so many other businesses can relate. Like, are we going to survive this? Um, we get alone. We not get alone. I mean, there's just so much that goes on. But also as, as you kind of put a pause button on um, all that noise around and all that fear and anxiety, mm-hmm. there's a space, a space opens up where your creativity almost expands. And that's what happened, I think, with me. I started listening to various signs all around of potential other possibilities or mm-hmm. how they were reinventing and pivoting and various other things. And then the biggest sign came when I started noticing this challenging condition in my clinic and a lot of my patients called mask me where a lot of patients would wear a mask in order to protect themselves against a, trans- a, a transmission of COVID. Right. And, you know, these were frontliners initially, and then we all picked up the mask to protect ourselves and then was, uh, everybody around and we're breaking out with these rashes and pimples on our faces from the mask. Yeah. And um, for me, it was such a common thing diagnosis over and over again and we just i just didn't know what would be the best uh treatment for it mm-hmm. and when i started doing research on mask me and and the different treatments that are possible for it that's when i came upon an ingredient called hypochlorous acid which is innovative unique that could be helpful to treat uh, the inflammation the irritation of the skin as well as the microbes and the pimples that are appearing on the skin due to the change of environment of skin from the mask. So I thought, this is it. This is the ingredient that can deliver resilience to the skin. This is what needs to adapt in order to help deal with all the consequences of the mask. And people need this right now. I can only help so much as a practitioner in the office. Not a lot of people want to come in the office during COVID. Not a lot of people have insurance. They don't have the accessibility to me always. I want to help more. So that's when I started Stamina Cosmetics. I called it Stamina because it can deliver grit, grace, and overall wellness. So actually, I'll show you one of the products. I, I have it here. This is the Stamina Calming Mist with hypochlorous mm-hmm. acid. Mm-hmm. And um, besides the aspect that it can help the skin health and beauty, but it also has these affirmations on it. Oh, um, this affirmations. Um, this one has... You got this. Um, it's a jolt of positivity yeah. um, that we can see as we use this to encourage us to think, have more positive mindset, Amen. to have more belief in yourself and stamina, mental stamina to overcome various challenges throughout our life. Because you've been in those moments when you're driving the traffic and you're ready to rip your hair out. I don't know about you, but maybe. <laughs> My hair out. You're a little on the short side. <laughs> Put push on that uh, pedal and just go. And you're so aggravated and irritated and frustrated. Yeah. But suddenly that song comes on. Mm-hmm. 
that's mellow. What's what's that song? What's that song that you like, Charles? What's that song that gives you that vibe like um, you're happy and you're light and and your life is good again? Uh, love, li- love, love lies by um, Khalid and Normani. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Bob Marley or mm-hmm. um, uh, his uh, his uh, son Ziggy and the beach in Hawaii and all the different reggae songs are my two that I find peace in my heart. So that song, that's just one of the essential ways to jolt us into that feeling of love and positivity Mm. so that we say, wait a minute, that traffic doesn't really bother me that much. I can be okay and I can go on. And this is just another form of it. Just a reminder, we can, we got this. We can do it. We can get through the life and whatever the ebbs and flows that it has for us. Well, I mean, and of course, you got the scientific um, part of it as well, which is the positive wording on it. Uh, like if you have remember the study with the droplets of water and people like uh, put like positive thoughts into one droplet and then negative thoughts into the other. And then I how- don't send me that information oh my gosh yeah so the the there was drops of water that were put in a petri and then people put positive thoughts into one uh, droplet of water one petri and it came out and when it came out it looked like a crystal it looked like one of a snowflake it was beautiful right and then on the other one uh they put negative thoughts into it and it looked murky and then dirty so even the positive intention and wording that you put on the bottle that uh, that is also um affecting the the contents of it as well so good for you thank you i really hope it uplifts our spirits as well as improves our skin Amen. And on the Drop Your Baggage podcast, that's what I try to do is to uplift spirits as well, uh, because we talk to people that are dope that can help you cope or that uh, that can give you hope and teach you a technique that can help you cope. And here we are going to be doing the mental and emotional release process. Now, the mental and emotional release process is an NLP technique. All you guys out there who are listening, please go to a practitioner of NLP uh, in order to do this technique properly. And um, if you want to learn more about this technique, go to eliminatinginsecuritiesnow.com. Once again, that's eliminatinginsecuritiesnow.com. Or you can reach me at uh, charleswolfork.com. And I'm always available for you. Well, not always, but yeah, I'm here for you, though. Uh, (laughs) um, I'm almost, I'm here for you, too. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The internet wavered. But I felt you. Hey, man. So today we are going to release the limiting belief that I'm not good enough, Mariana. So uh, why is that something that bugs you? So the limiting belief of I miss what you're saying, what bugs me. I'm not good enough. How how is that affecting you? Okay, so I think what I that bugs me is that I felt that I'm not good enough to handle all the different uh, roles that I have to play in my life because I am not good enough to be the best mom, the best daughter, the best uh, doctor, the best business owner, the best uh, serial entrepreneur. Like I want to be able to handle and be proud of 
all of those roles, but I feel like I'm not good enough to be able to juggle and balance all of them. So it bugs me because I want to live my life fully and freely, and I can't do that without limiting belief. How does that make you feel that, you know, you feel like as though you're, you're not good enough to kind of juggle all these balls successfully? Frustrated, extremely frustrated. And I feel like it's stacking against a lot of the hopes and dreams that I'm trying to accomplish. It's conflicting. Yeah, with those with those hopes and dreams, uh, we had talked about it earlier. I mean, you want to bring love and light with uh, sm- um, with uh, stamina cosmetics, and of course with your practice. Uh, but also, there's a, a conflict within the the family life because you have these these toddlers <laughs> for God's sakes that still need your love and attention so much. So, like um, with you feeling like you're not good enough, do you feel like that's hindering you in some way uh, from from reaching your fullest potential in, in either area? Of course, in both ways. But I think I'm beginning to change my belief. I'm beginning to understand that they are interconnected, that there are a way toward the same destiny, yeah. that they are synergistic. Um, so, um, but at the same time, if I don't let go of the fear of I'm not good enough, I will not be able to break free to be able to fully embrace that belief. Understood. Yeah. Like, uh, so, um, before we actually got on the podcast, uh, we had talked about a week ago and then we were like, okay. Uh, well, she told me that about this feeling of uh, her feeling like like she's not good enough. So I was like, well, first and foremost, there's these two parts. There's the family part and the career part. We So we need to do a, an NLP technique called parts integration. Now, you take the two parts and you find how both parts are actually uh, two parts of the same whole. And therefore, they're intertwined with one another and they become integrated within one another. So we did that before the podcast just now, like about almost an hour ago. Oh, you're so you're so welcome. You're so welcome. And uh, now that's where that feeling of okay, that that feeling that the two parts are are part of the same like whole, as I said before, uh, is, is starting to come in. But now with you getting rid of that feeling of I'm not good enough, how will that help free you? Oh, I think I will accept completely that the that I have enough of the. Um, of the power in me to be best version of for all the roles that I play. And then all of those roles are not in isolation, just like the body is not in isolation. Body parts are not in isolation. It's an entire person. So like the skin cannot be in isolation from the mind or from the immune system or from the hormone system. Like we're all interconnected. Same with all these different roles that I'm trying to play as a mother and a daughter and a doctor and a teacher and a business. Like if I can understand that they're all interconnected, interlaced, and, and I can be there for all of them the best that I can um, as a person because that's just my destiny. That's who I am. 
I'm able to move forward and be free to fulfill my destiny. So fulfill what is the meaningful happiness for me. Amen. What uh, what evidence does your mind give you that you're not good enough at, at uh, make like come doing both of the tasks together? I feel like I don't have enough time to um, and resources, which resources is something we touched up on before to look into the right resources to delegate to um, uh, help to lighten the load of a businesswoman that's on one way and uh, then also um, to um, to delegate with their kids is perfectly fine but dropping the ball with the kids the family not being there for not for them enough uh, but majority of the time those little missed opportunities are minor they're not significant yeah, like when it comes to important, um, you know, recitals or important events that are crucial for the bonding and the memories we make as a family, I'm there for them and I understand they are significant. But the tedium of like, oh, I forgot to order groceries now, like we don't have groceries. I mean, my mom would just laugh at this. Like, I remember when you were like eight years old. And we would stand for like an hour at nine o'clock in the evening in grocery store. And there were barely any groceries in Russia. And you would just be exhausted, come home at 10 o'clock. And I would just say, do your homework. And you would just go do your homework. Now you're complaining that you have no resources or ways to get it. Just get Instacart, order from Uber Eats, like figure it out, lady. But little balls of that drop that I can't be there from a family for other things like that, you know, like as a parent. Um, is 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 no knows at me like it annoys me, and I want to let go of that. I want to let go that that's not significant. Like for they, that's not as important for the ultimate happiness, and they will happen, and it's still okay. Amen, amen. I love it. I love it. Let's go ahead and get rid of it. So, Yay. is it all right with your unconscious mind for you to release this limiting belief that I'm not good enough today, and for you to be aware of it consciously? Yes. Awesome. Now, um, what is the root cause of this problem? The first event, which when disconnected, that will cause this problem to disappear. If you were to know, when was the first time that you had this fear of not being good enough? I think it happened when um, uh, Precision Skin Institute opened and uh, my three months old babies were at home. Time out, time out, time out. Like I'm talking about elementary school i'm talking about uh, really little bitty baby not little bitty baby but like really small kid not was, good enough. yeah not good enough when was that first time that you felt like i'm not good enough maybe back in soviet union you said it was quite competitive back uh, back then as well so you know uh i have to say that growing up as a child uh, i was I didn't have any self-limiting belief like that um, in Soviet Union. I think I, I try to be such a people pleaser so much that I worked really hard to achieve what I needed to for people to be proud of myself, to be proud of myself. Maybe it has to do more in middle school and, you know, um, and fit, trying to fit into U.S. Uh, culture mm -hmm. and good enough. Or, you know, trying to 
uh, applied for college and um, let's let's stay college. let's stay let's stay around middle school yeah middle school okay what grade did you uh how old were you when you moved over um i was uh 11 11 perfect so when you were 11 is that when you start to feel like i'm not good enough as far as being in a different culture and yeah yeah do you have a specific event in mind? I feel like I was torn. I was torn between mm-hmm. two worlds, a world that felt safe and familiar, but yet in a way scary. And then in a completely new, different world that was like, uh, everything is unknown, and including language. hundred <laughs> percent. Alien. alien. Do, do, um, do you have any specific events in which you felt as though you're not good enough? Um. Okay, so I'll tell you, it's kind of like a joke, mm. but, um, but it impacted me. I remember this memory in class where mm-hmm. there was this very strict English teacher in middle school mm-hmm. that um, wanted us, the class was unruly and uh, wanted us to write down, uh, take out a piece of paper and write down um, on this sheet of paper, I'm going to write about myself. Mm-hmm. And she you know, I wrote it down and then I remember her walking around and looking and kids were looking at my paper and laughing at me mm-hmm. and laughing at her. And then when she picked up the piece of paper, she looked at me and started screaming at me saying, how could you write that? And she, it was the first time I was punished for something I didn't know was, I did something wrong because mm. I wrote S-H-I-T instead of S-H-E-E-T. So, you know, then I, I, later, of course, I realized the mistake, um, but um, it, it was, it was, I felt very ashamed and, um, and sad by it in that moment. Like I wasn't good enough to be in this class. I should yeah. go back to school. Like I shouldn't be in this regular English. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be good enough to live in America. So I think, yeah, that was probably one of the origins of that belief. That was the one right there. All right. That's perfect. Okay. So with this exercise, all you got to do are uh, three things. Number one, you have to use your imagination. Number two, you have to follow directions. And number three, you have to trust the process. Know that I'm your guide and I'm going to be leading you through this easily and effortlessly. Uh, Now with your past, your past can be to your left, to your right, or behind you. If you were to know, where's your past? To your left, to your right, or behind you? Behind me. Where's your future? In front of me. Perfect. Now, I'm going to ask you to focus on some different events that have a charge on them that um, that where you may have felt like you weren't good enough. I want you to make sure that you observe those events from a third person point of view. And I want you to change your perspective upon those events by having compassion and empathy and forgiveness and acceptance and empowerment for yourself and for everyone else in the event. All right? All right. So let's go ahead and get it started. Uh, You can go ahead and keep your eyes closed and let me know when you're ready for the process. I'm ready. Okay. So now just imagine floating outside of your body as if though you were a spirit or energy. And just imagine floating above yourself right here, right now in this very moment. And see everything inside of the space around you. See your dog and your fish, 
the paintings, the lights, the window to your right, the door to your left, your necklace, your shirt, the screen in front of you. Let me know when you can see this whole, that whole scene from a third person point of view. I can see it. All right. Now, just imagine floating up above your timeline and float deeper and deeper and deeper into the past above that first event in which you felt as though you weren't good enough. When you were 11 years old, you were a little girl in that classroom. I want you to see yourself as that little girl, but also want you to see everyone in the event, the kids and the teacher. I want you to stay high above the event as if though you were a spirit or energy. Let me know when you can see the whole event. I see it. Awesome. Now just stay right there and ask your unconscious mind what it needs to learn from the event. The learning of which will allow you to let go of the emotions easily and effortlessly. Your unconscious mind can preserve the learnings so that if you need them in the future, they'll be there. Just tell your unconscious mind to preserve the learnings. This is an exercise of forgiveness and acceptance. Forgiveness for yourself and others and acceptance of yourself and others. Who do you have to forgive? What do you have to accept? Who do you have to accept? As you look at everyone in the event, focus your attention upon how hurt people hurt people. We're all doing the best that we can with the resources and consciousness that we have. We can't control anyone else's actions, but we can't control our response. We can grow stronger and wiser and learn from people's actions and mistakes. Other people's actions have nothing to do with you. It's only a reflection of their baggage or whatever else they're going through at the time. And we're better people than we were when those events occurred. You're a better person than you were when that event occurred. Are you still above the event? Awesome. Now, what is something positive and empowering that you can tell that little girl and everyone else involved in the event, whether it be the teacher or the students, with the consciousness that you have today that will allow the emotions to evaporate like water on the concrete on a hot summer day? And as you preserve these learnings, the emotions are starting to dissipate more and more until they're all gone. Just let me know when they're all gone. Awesome. Now, what is something that you can take from that event and carry on with you into the future that will help you grow and empower yourself? Believe in myself. That's right. Awesome. Now, just imagine floating up above your timeline and float deeper and deeper and deeper into the past above the dinosaurs during the prehistoric age. Let me know when you're there. I'm here. 
<laughs> awesome. And as you float above the dinosaurs now, float deeper and deeper and deeper into space to where space in the atmosphere connects. And imagine your timeline is the size of, the, of a fingernail. Let me know when you're there. Yeah. Awesome. And as you float there, just imagine floating there, weightless, in space, and ask yourself now, where are the emotions? Tell me, are they there or have they disappeared now? Awesome. Now, just imagine floating down inside the event, seeing through your own eyes as a little girl, and check on the emotions. Tell me, are they there or have they disappeared now? Awesome. Float back above the dinosaurs and then float into space to where space and the atmosphere connects. Let me know when you're there. Awesome. Listen closely. Float very, very high above your timeline, above each and every event that has the charge of that fear that you're not good enough from birth until now in chronological order. Don't skip one event. Preserve the learnings and let that fear that I'm not good enough go all the way back to now. Go. That's right. Let it all go. Awesome. Flow down into your body and open your eyes when you're ready. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> you're very welcome. <laughs> How do you feel? Powerful and free. Mm, awesome. All right. Be, very, be, very nice feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. You're so welcome. All right. Do you smell bacon? No. Do okay. you? No, no, no. That's a, <laughs> that's a NLP. That's an NLP um, technique. So, that, yeah. That helps you. Um, it helps you get, uh, get your mind off of the meditation. So uh, can you remember a time in the past in which you used to feel that old emotion? And go back and notice if you can feel it, or you may find that you cannot. I have a hard time finding it mm. and locating it. And it feels almost like it's foreign to me now. It's not part of me anymore. That's right. I want you to imagine going out into the future to any time in the future in which if it would have happened in the past, if the same thing would have happened in the past, you would have felt that fear of not being good enough, but it's the future now. So see if you can find that old emotion or you may find that you cannot. can't find it congratulations you just released a bunch of fear yes drop the baggage <laughs> <laughs> hey very good good job good job so 
do okay so how do you feel about that that um relationship between your career and your family now it's a relationship yeah it's a relationship they're no longer and it's a communicative relationship and it's a, a synergistic just like they work together in union to fulfill what it's meant to be you know they have their date together mm-hmm. amen Amen. So like with it being that relationship, is there any conflict in relationship in that relationship that you can see now? Right now, no. Mm-hmm. But I think my wisdom tells me that like any relationships, conflicts will come and go. Mm-hmm. And I would learn to have to have that resilience to work through and keep it solid. Solid. Mm-hmm. How, um, what are it's an important relationship for me now. It's the most important one to really to fulfill the, the destiny. So I have to nurture it and believe in it. And believe in it. Um, was there was there a lack of faith in, in both of them coinciding with one another at, at one time? Yes. Before our session today, there was. And I think that was the bis- biggest impediment in my life, the biggest lockdown and pressure. So now I feel like the handcuffs came up. I feel lighter, freer to move forward with my life. Yeah. Um, w- with the frustration, do you still fr- feel that frustration? No, I do not feel the frustration. How do you see yourself navigating like both worlds without the frustration now? Um, Breathing through it, breathing through it, into it in any way, just breathing and keep saying, this is solid. This is together. This is peace. This is synergy. Mm -hmm. It has to be so. Mm -hmm. Um at times you may have felt that with the young ones still needing you, that some things were like, uh, like repetitive. Uh, how do you uh, see, like, what do you feel as though, how do you feel about that the repetitive nature of um, your family life now? It's still repetitive. Mm-hmm. It's still the, not the most fulfilling aspect of my life. Mm. but it's at the same time presents an opportunity for belief system of nurture. Mm-hmm. So if I can make, it's almost like a form a new belief and understanding that this is part of the nurture equation that has to be and acceptance. I think is the only way that I have to tell myself. And instead of seeing it in a negative light, it's reflecting more in a way positive life. So being a nurturer is a privilege and it comes with a lot of responsibility. So nurturing and doing the best that I can because that's part of what I'm meant to do here. Amen. <laughs> that's one say hi. <laughs> you say what? That's one of my kids saying hi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. 
it's yeah. really <laughs> that's awesome. And I have to give. Yeah, yeah. The um, and one more question: How do you? How does? How does that little eleven-year-old girl feel now? Self loved and accepted and empowered that life is beautiful and not to not to judge things that are minutia too quickly and let just breathe and process and reflect when these mistakes, setbacks, errors, issues, challenges, whatever you want to call them, come up. Mm-hmm. Just reflect upon them, think about them, and how the consequences of future can travel back and think back and allow yourself to be happy yes. and be okay with it. Yes. Amen. Amen. That's Amen. awesome. <laughs> very good very good i am so happy for you great job thank you thank yes, you indeed. so much you are amazing thank you for giving me this gift i appreciate you well i'm just a reflection of you so <laughs> it's like light seeing light thank you. the and thank you all for tuning in today for the drop your baggage podcast um, if you are on YouTube or Facebook, please give it a thumbs up and subscribe. And if you are on, on any uh, podcasting platform, give a brother five stars and give me some feedback. I really appreciate you guys. I appreciate your attention and the support that you show. Um, Mariana, uh, is there anything uh, like can you give us some words of wisdom to close us out? Hey, the words of wisdom are all coming from you, Charles. I think you're an incredible human being and I'm going to reflect your words of wisdom back to anyone who's listening to say that, you know, treasure life for what it is. Don't judge yourself too harshly. Learn self-compassion, grace, and believe in yourself because you got this. Amen. You got this. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys out there, take care of yourself and take care of one another. Peace. Peace.